Hi, I'm Michelle Escobar, and you're listening to the Premier League Nightclub Podcast. And welcome to the Premier League Nightclub Podcast. My name is Damon. With me, I have Woody. This podcast, of course, is brought to you by Arrowsport, the number one kit maker in the business, arrowsport.com.au. Go check them out. Joining us today, Michelle Escobar. Thank you so much for coming on. The I'd say face of Optus Sport. We definitely see you over the social media uh, channels the most out of everybody else. So, Michelle, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Oh, no worries. I think... Um, the reason, one of the huge reasons why we wanted to get you on, obviously, because you've been so present on our screens, I guess, not sort of out of nowhere, but your presence has definitely grown in the last, I'd say, year on Optus Sport. And obviously, you just came off a huge chat with Matty Ryan, um, which we'll obviously get into a little bit later. But just quickly, how's the reception been on social media and, and how's it been since that uh, interview went live? Yeah, so it's been it's been pretty huge. Um, I guess uh, well, it went up on our social media, YouTube, Doctor Sport YouTube page, uh, also on the app, and the, I wrote an article for it as well. So that was on Facebook and Twitter and all that. So yeah, there's been quite a lot of reception. Um, but what surprised me the most is actually the Brighton fans. Uh, they <laughs> got a hold of it a, a couple of days after. So I think I saw might have been about Monday night and yeah as you would imagine a lot of them aren't happy but yeah with what a few of the things that um Matt Ryan said but yeah it was it was an awesome interview to do and uh I was just so happy that he was just so raw and honest throughout it all yeah absolutely and as I said we'll probably ask you some more detailed questions later on in regards to that chat but first of all we just want to know it's actually been like uh, we've spoken to Richard Bayless and Ollie Gill, but they have both were over a year ago now, which is crazy to think. So we haven't actually had someone from Optus on the show for quite some time. So what was it like during COVID and what, what sort of the situation now? Yeah, so it all kind of came out of nowhere, I guess. Uh, you know, there had been a, a few cases uh, through, through the leagues. And then when Arsenal was hit, that's when the Premier League went into shutdown mode. So to begin with, it was a bit of a, a scramble and wondering what we were going to do. But we all came together and we all made some very creative pieces during that time. And it, yeah, it was probably the most creative that we had to be because there wasn't football and we didn't know for how long football wouldn't be around. Well, we um, well, I I keep in contact with Richard Bayless. I I want to use the word regularly, but that would be a bit of a stretch. But I do have his number, so I'm claiming it. Um, I Woody and I had actually planned a trip up to Sydney. I think we booked it when Woody probably December, early December for early yep. January. And of course, between then, the cluster in the Northern Beaches happened in New South Wales, so we um we couldn't go, and that's that was obviously incredibly disappointing but I are in speaking to Richard and telling him we were coming up we had this uh whole like Optusport tour planned which would have been really really cool for us he was explaining that the offices are like obviously still pretty you know strict in procedure and how many people can be in certain places at once so I can imagine working through that would propose like some serious challenges but also we heard a lot in the media that you know suddenly things like this talking over zoom has become almost the norm and it creates better opportunity for, for even more content. Yeah, yeah, for sure. During the lockdown period, um, that's when I started doing some Instagram chats with uh, a few of the Matildas players and also some of the Socceroos. And, yeah, and so I guess the advantage for us in the media is also that, you know, Zoom interviews aren't the best quality or Instagram live chats aren't the best quality, but at least we're getting more access that sort of way so you know there are positives to come out of this and and while they weren't playing football they had more time and they were more willing to do it I guess because they were bored Damon's done a bit of waffling and uh, Michelle I'd love to get stuck into your (laughs) career uh, thus far so Tell us a little bit about growing up and sort of what your childhood was um, and sort of how did your love for sport develop? Yeah, so I grew up in Perth and um, I grew up with 
the family, well, quite a big family. So I've got an older brother and a younger brother and sister who are twins. And uh, my two brothers, they're very much into football. Um, my dad has always been into football, but probably not as much as what my brothers. So that influence more so for my brother is how I got into sport. And um, yeah, so it was my brother's just like a sports nut. So it just rubbed off on me. And uh, I would have to say, yeah, football is the number one. And when I was in high school, I played a bit of football as well. It wasn't that good. So <laughs> there was um, no kind of pathway to going professional in that sense. Join the club. <laughs> yeah. Well, I saw um, the header challenge and Optus Sport. And if, if anything's had to go by, then uh, I'd say it's probably a fair shot that you didn't go professional. <laughs> yeah. Although I feel like they purposely chose the worst shots to make it funnier. So <laughs> I feel like I'm not that bad. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, from there. And yeah, so I've always been around sports and, and I've just grown to love it. And I guess growing up, um, the dream was to be able to work in, in a football based uh, job. And yeah, it's crazy to think that I'm actually doing it. So did you find your road to, um, you know, obviously where you are now, part of the Fox Sports team and then part of the Optus team, did you find it challenging along the way or did you feel like you sort of just fit in and all the, all the I guess, the puzzle pieces came together as you planned? Um, I would have to say that I have been pretty fortunate in the way that I've been able to to get jobs in the media. So I started off in radio and that was straight out of uni and then from there, I uh, I just sent an email to Fox Fox Sports um, and just said the little experience that I had, but I was willing to learn and very much into uh, football and um, the I guess the journalism side of things. And there, from there, I got a job at Optus Sports. So things have flowed quite well, uh, but that's not to say that I haven't put in the hard yards in between as well. And of course not everything has been smooth sailing. There are always going to be challenges and all that, but no, I've, I've, I've enjoyed my career um, so much. And yeah. And I feel like, it, I feel like I'm still at the beginning of my career still. <laughs> um, I don't know how much you're allowed to go into this. Cause obviously the day that uh, Optusport won the rights to the Premier League is one of the biggest moments in you know football in this country for heaps of people. But did you, like when you went over to Optus Sport, did, were you there for pretty much like the first ever Premier League game that was broadcast on Optus Sport or were you there a little bit later? Uh, yeah, so I was one of the first. I think at that point there was only about five of us in the team, but the others had joined. So I wasn't exactly there for the first game, but I was there from about the second game. And, yeah, and that was a huge deal because – well, I had just finished up at Fox Sports and then going to Optus Sport with the Premier League rights. It was, it was, yeah, it was very exciting. And, uh, and I guess, well, I, with the challenge that we had was that everyone was so used to it being on Fox Sports for so long. So it was, yeah, everything was so new at the time. Working at uh, Optus at the moment, uh, we've obviously seen you quite often do your good, bad and ugly videos um, on, it comes up on my Facebook feed absolutely all the time. Uh, is that sort of like a locked in thing that you do weekly? And with that, what else does your week sort of, you know, hold? Yeah. So the good, the bad and the ugly is kind of a fun piece that I do on, you know, the best bits and the funny bits of, of the champions league and also the other leagues that we have, like the premier league and also put in a bit of J league as well. And we have the Europa league as well. Uh, so that is, yeah, that's quite a constant uh, piece of content that I do um, when more so when the Champions League is on because there's so much more football that you can wrap up. Yeah, so the schedule has been really jam-packed with uh, obviously with the COVID and, and all that. So there's always something going on. But, um, yeah, it's it's like each morning I'll be looking at the news, making a news package, which is on the spot. And then from there, depending on what's making news, then we, then we take it from there. Might have interviews, <clears throat> might have a shoot. So every week is, is very busy, but it's, it's a lot of fun. Mm, of course. And I think that's something that Optus Sport has done incredibly is bring so much more media 
to Australia regarding the international game. Have you found the reporting and presenting of a sport that isn't, I guess, considered to be the number one a sport in Australia challenging or frustrating at times because of the lack of exposure it may get? Yeah, I, I, I think it also from a fan's perspective as well, you know, growing up when you were watching bulletins, well, coming from Perth, um, it would be so AFL-based ba- and then you'd have about like a minute on, on the football results. So there's always that mindset that from a fan's perspective, you want to give them the absolute most and, and the best quality and the most time. Uh, but I would I would have to say we're kind of like in our own little bubble um, at Optus Sports. So, yeah, we don't really find those sort of challenges and the football community is just so supportive. And I guess we say with soccer Twitter, uh, they, they're always getting behind everything. So, it, yeah, it, it'd just be great if the, the game could grow even more into mainstream. Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more in terms of like the bubble comment from an outsider looking into Optus Sport. It 100% feels that way. And it's not a bad thing, but it, it certainly feels like Optus Sport are, are just doing their own thing and smashing it. And, and they're just doing it differently to everybody else as well because it's probably the only like subscription-based service that concentrates on one sport. Um, I think maybe Stan at the moment are doing a rugby thing. But other than that, there's not really much else. KO and stuff just do a bunch. So, yeah, it's definitely unique in Australia. Um, do you think that Optus can uh, have play a major role in developing the game here in Australia? Because obviously you don't show the A-League, and, again, we won't go into that. But um, hint, hint, please get it done. But if, um, you know, is there a way Optus can develop the game here in Australia? Yeah, so if you see with our Football Belongs pieces, uh, that's very much showing the roots of of football in Australia with, you know, so many European communities that that have been here for for quite a few decades and how they've been able to grow the game. Um, So, yeah, so with pieces like that and just trying to give, you know, the best sort of attention to to the game and, you know, all of us that work there, um, we're just massive football fans and um and a lot of us are Liverpool fans, which I guess doesn't really help with the uh Cloptus sort of <laughs> oh, yeah, you're skipping our questions. We had that lined up for about three from now. <laughs> well, actually, I should say there's only a few of us that are Liverpool fans. A lot of there are a lot of uh there's a mix of everything, even a Norwich fan. So we yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> and there's absolute on Brentford as well in the championship. Um, but, yeah, we try to give our absolute most in, in telling these football stories and bring them to light to, to everyone. Mm, for sure. Well, I think well, probably one comment on that football belongs segment is that it does something that, again, I don't want to have a dig at Fox here, but I think it's something that Fox almost pushed away and pushing like, in that they pushed away a lot of the ethnic backgrounds that, that I guess football was built upon in Australia and sort of how it migrated from Europe to Australia. So for me, Except I for think, Craig Foster, mate. Yeah. Except oh, for Craig Foster. The Foz, mate. You can't be the Foz. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I think that football belongs definitely speaking to people that I know that come from ethnic backgrounds and that have, you know, such deep rooted ties into clubs um, that they've been part of for generations since, you know, their grandparents or great grandparents migrated over. It's just something that is unparalleled and something that isn't shown and has never been shown. So, um, you know, I think it's pretty enlightening that that's a segment and it's been and it's been broadcasted in a sense. So, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. yeah, thanks for that. Yeah, it's it's um, a piece that Ben Coonan and um, David Davudovic have worked really hard on and also um, uh, others such as who are more so behind the scenes, um, John Bullock and Evan George, they've all put in a lot of time into that and, and getting those stories out. And, yeah, and it's, it's been great to watch. That Ryan interview again played a role in, you know, I can imagine young goalkeepers around Australia 100% would have watched that interview. And if they didn't, I can't recommend watching it more. Um, first of all, how did that even come about? So uh, during lockdown, uh, I did an Instagram live with uh, Matt. So from there, uh, there was a bit of a rapport. So once he made his debut, 
once he made his debut, I, I just got in touch with him and asked him if he would be available for a chat. Uh, and then, yeah, and then was able to get an interview there. Well, obviously we saw what he was like on camera, but what was he like off camera, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, he wasn't too much different, actually. Um, he, Yeah, he's very polite uh, and quite honest about everything and you saw that in the interview he wasn't yeah that much different off camera he was off camera I guess he was just telling me how things were in London with the whole COVID situation and that sort of thing so the chat was more like uh, I guess away from football but yeah I I found him to be quite quite the same. Mm, I think we found especially watching him here and seeing some of the interviews that he had for Brighton and obviously when Schwartzy um, interviewed him after his Arsenal debut, he goes a bit of, he gives a bit of a persona as in he's a man of very few words and um, he's almost shy at times. But I think, you know, you in your interview, that's something we got to see a completely different side of, of Matt and, and probably open up to the point where you just don't see unless it's one-on-one interview, not something you really see after a game or, or before a game. So I think in that probably gave us a different perspective of, of one of the players leading the line for Australia overseas. Yeah, I think it's maybe he's in, he was more in a comfortable environment, so that helped him. And I guess being one-on-one as well, um, a Zoom interview can also be feel quite casual, so you feel like you can easily open up. And it could have also been that he had a lot of on his mind that he just wanted to get out and, you know, this was the right medium for it. Yeah. Well, um, we definitely wanted to ask you, what the highlight of your career was. But when we were doing the research, we sort of felt it was obviously going to be the major international tournaments that you'd covered. So we didn't really mean, we don't want to answer the question for you, but we're just going to assume it was that. And then we want to know what were those like? Um, and yeah, what were you, do you have any funny moments or favorite moments from those times? Yeah. So the first major event that I went to was the World Cup draw, and that was for the 2018 World Cup draw in Russia. So we went to Moscow and just the whole experience. It was short, but it was just so awesome. Went to the Kremlin. Now, I'd never been to Russia before, so I didn't really have expectations, but I was just, it's such a, like Moscow is such a beautiful city. Uh, it was the first time I actually experienced snow properly, uh, which was really cool. Um, what was awesome about being there, though, was that, we were just among football royalty everywhere. Uh, went down to the lobby and um, there was a Schmeichel just sitting there having a cup of tea. We went to the front desk and um, Laurent Blanc was asking for an iron, which I thought was just like <laughs> crazy. Wouldn't we have someone else like doing that for you? Um, hopped on the bus to go to the drawer and... We saw this lady who was in this like big leopard um, coat and she looked very extravagant. And later on, I I saw photos on Twitter and it was Maradona's uh, girlfriend at the time, which was... (laughs) Um, What's actually really funny was that the people there are just like so nice. And when I was at the airport to, to leave... Um, I went through security and there are just so many um, security gates that you have to go through. And the security guard uh, pulled me to the side and I thought I was in trouble. And and then he just asked me, like, very seriously, he was like, what have you been here for? And I said to him, the World Cup draw. And he was like, I thought so, hold on. And he walked over uh, to, like, his desk and came back and showed he was on this, like, old Nokia phone. He showed me photos of him with Maradona and Pele and he said that they'd just been through the gates, like, earlier in the day. And they wow. was asking me, like, are you coming back to the World Cup and all that? And then he told the other security guards there, he was like, she's here for the World Cup draw. And they were like, wow. <laughs> 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 yeah, so I thought that was pretty funny. And it just showed, like, you know, Russians, everyone thinks that they're so serious. But once you talk to them, they're just such nice people. Did you ever come in a situation where you were just, like, standing next to an absolute legend? Obviously, you just said Laurent Blanc and Casper Schmeichel. Uh, Kasper, yeah, Casper. Was it Casper? Oh, it was his dad. Oh, it was his dad. Yeah, the big Schmeichel, yeah, Schmeichel yeah. senior. Yeah. Um, but so <laughs> do, you, do you ever get to a point where you're standing next to him and you just don't know what to say and you sort of just freeze? Um, 
probably not to the point that I don't know what to say because when I say uh, maybe the first time I met Mark Schwarzer I thought that that was just like so incredible because I'd grown up watching him play and, you know, um, with the World Cup qualifiers, the heroics there, and then going to the World Cup and then him just like having dinner with us. It was just because he's part of the Opta Sport crew. It was just so surreal. And, you know, even interviewing John Aloisi and he's just in the office, there are a few moments where you do think, oh, this is my job and these are the people I watched you know, when I was growing up and it's just, yeah, it's just so crazy to think that that's how it is now. <laughs> Has there been any talk of sort of what, uh, like have the media been briefed on what the plan is for the next say year or two regarding major events, like the Euros, obviously Opta Sport have the rights to that. And then uh, the World Cup, I assume you will, like you did in 2018. Um, is there, like, is there a have you been briefed at all from anybody at FIFA as to what the plan is and how they're going to approach those major events? So the Euros, as far as we know, they're going ahead and I guess they've been able to show that with the Champions League, the Europa League and all the other European leagues, uh, they've been able to you know have that bubble and, and make it go ahead. So it looks like the Euros are going ahead. Um, whether there will be fans, uh, I don't know if things are continuing the way that they are, perhaps the safest option would be not to have fans. Um, with the World Cup qualifiers, it looks like they will be, uh, they will be, uh, well, at least for Australia, they will go ahead and they will all be done before June. I know there are plans for that. And for the FIFA World Cup uh, next year, I guess it's, they're hoping that it will go ahead and it, it seems like it very well could, but I don't know the details of that. Now, I have to ask, just before we move on from the World Cup, I see a 2018 Russia World Cup ball behind you. <laughs> Is that just a souvenir or are there any stories behind that, any signatures or anything? Or No, there's yeah, there's not an exciting story behind that. Oh. I just got given it. But everyone, yeah, everyone that knows about football when they see it, they're like, "Is that real?" Like, yeah. I remember my old housemate who didn't know anything about football was like, "We should kick it around," and was like, "No." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and la- actually, one more thing on the international scene: Are you? Do you have any plans to have a big role in the Australia New Zealand uh, Women's World Cup? Yeah. Um, so, from Optus's perspective, um, let me just think about that. I don't actually know if we. Yeah, I don't think we have the rights to that. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I, yeah, I, I, I definitely want to be playing a role in that, and I'll be reporting on it. And yeah, it's it's so exciting having that massive tournament here, and it's so good for the women's game. And you know, we've got the golden generation of the Matildas, and to be able to watch them on her home soil is just going to be fantastic. Yeah, it's going to what be sort awesome. of role? I mean, this is a pretty silly question to ask, but what sort of role do you reckon this 2023 Women's World Cup is going to play in terms of the growth of the game here in Australia, especially for younger generations as well? Yeah, well, I think as a whole, it's it's going to, to bring more eyes on the game. But for the women's game, I think, you know, it's it's going to put it more on level with, with other codes and... The Matildas, uh, it's just crazy to think like how fast their popularity has grown and they're just, they've been, they've got such amazing players and they're so impressive that, I, yeah, I really hope that it's just going to bring more eyes and and even more exposure to not only the women's game, but also football as a whole. 100%. I, I personally cannot wait. I remember Woody and I, I think it was, yeah, it was definitely last year now, we were watching the draw and um, <laughs> it was at like SBS, oh, 1 a.m. Yeah, yeah. It was one, was it 1 a.m. or 2 a.m. Something like that. And like, I mean, this is probably a bad thing to say, but maybe 10 years ago, there's no way I would have stayed up for the future women's world cup draw, but I was genuinely like shaking, shaking. Dude, beyond I remember, I remember we were, we were, I think we were messaging at the time or we borderline, I think we might've been on a phone call and we were mm. watching SPS, the world game live stream on Facebook and Lucy Zelich starts crying and the fuzz oh, was going yeah. mental. <laughs> it was just, I reckon, it was, we, we watched a reaction until like 4.30 a.m., I reckon, yeah. Damon and I. We were just, 
Lucy, Lucy and the Foz, they covered it so well. And I think obviously they're two of the most passionate people in yeah. football. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was awesome to watch. And it's, if that's anything to go by, the media is going to have a field day and they rightly should when it comes. So it's going to be exciting 2023. Yeah, it's going to be great. And and that's the thing because it's such a huge tournament and, you know, it's, there's going to be people from everywhere, hopefully by that point that like everyone will be able to come and experience it. It's yeah, it's something extremely exciting. And I think even across mainstream media, it's going to be something that everyone's going to be reporting on. Now the big moment that I've personally been waiting for for a while and it's to get stuck into some Premier League chat. And I know we talk about Premier League every week on the show, but there's definitely something else here. Now, when we asked you who you supported, um, you said Liverpool and obviously, you know, said it as in a way to say, yeah, like everyone else in Australia. But when you ask someone who works at Optusport who they support, it's a 50-50 chance between Leeds and Liverpool. That's sort of how, <laughs> how it seems looking in. Uh, so my first question is, do the Optus Sport staff genuinely just enjoy the Klopter Sport stigma or is it something you're trying to shake off? Like, how do you approach that in the workplace? <laughs> Funny because, you know, all the social guys, out of all of them, there's only one Liverpool fan. So they all have a laugh. They're like, oh, as if, if only people knew that were Chelsea fans or um, the other ones. Yeah, we've got... It's, it's, I think we don't worry about it too much because, you know, we try to be as professional as possible. And and the thing is that there are so many Liverpool fans in Australia, so naturally, you know, the posts are going to be more popular. Liverpool was a huge club, had such success, uh, I guess, so, uh, so much success, you know, back in the 70s and 80s and now once again, uh, finally. So, yeah, so we, we tailor to our audience, but it doesn't mean that we're, you know, biased and only going to Liverpool things. So, yeah, it's, it's quite funny because we're quite fair and balanced as much as possible. Mm. <laughs> surely, <laughs> surely Bridgie and Rich get a little bit annoyed when, when so, much, so much attention goes to Liverpool because, like, obviously they're massive Leeds men and I, I can't imagine... I can't imagine Rich being too happy about Liverpool, like being stuck so much on your channels. I think I don't mind it too much because, you know, like they know that that's what the people want. And even Mm. if you aren't a Liverpool fan, you have some sort of agenda against Liverpool that you want to know what's going on with Liverpool. Um, Mm. But, yeah, I don't think they mind it too much. Rich tries to get as much Leeds content out as possible. But once again, you know, there are so many Leeds fans and myself, I have a soft, soft spot for Leeds given how many Aussies played and it was, it's my brother's team. So that was like the first team I actually paid attention to. So yeah, nah, but uh, I reckon he's fine with it all. <laughs> uh, so what are your thoughts on the current Liverpool situation? Obviously it's been mostly negative stuff posted on Optus Sport because they've been pretty poor in 2021. That's the reality of it. Um, obviously a big win this morning, but their league form needs some serious work. And I think the Leicester loss personally, it was probably, it was the one that looked the least likely more or less dominated the game. And then a horrendous five or six minutes sort of made the result look a lot worse than it actually was. So yeah. What are your thoughts on the current Liverpool situation? Yeah, I guess it's been very up and down in this season and when I saw the Manchester City fixture I was going around being like it's going to be fine we always step up against big teams and that didn't go well and then after against Leicester um, yeah we expected to at least get a point out of it but it didn't go that way so at that point you start thinking yeah there is something seriously wrong I guess with all the injuries that hasn't helped and maybe fatigue has played a part as well and the the changes in positions you know Jordan Henderson was playing centre-back for quite a few games and 
and that affects the the defense and you know not having Virgil van Dyke there is just a massive loss and then trying to find ways of how to make the defense strong again we saw Allison making mistakes um, over the last couple of weeks and you know that confidence isn't there but hopefully with this morning's win in the Champions League that can give them some sort of a confidence boost and you know start getting some points again in the Premier League. Mm. What do you make of Klopp essentially conceding the title? Is Do you think it's, I guess, the right thing to say to narrow the focus and let all the fans know that Champions League realistically is the goal uh, for this season and, and progressing in this this year's Champions League uh, should be the priority? Or do you think it sort of destroys a little bit of the soul on it from a Liverpool perspective? No, I think it's it's fine that he said that the title race is basically over for Liverpool because you've got to be a little realist about it as well. There's no point of being delusional, being like we're in it when we're in sixth spot at the moment. Uh, so I think that was the right thing to do. And I guess from his personal end, he's got a lot going on with the death of his mother and, and, and all that. So that's quite sad. But, yeah, I think you, you just had to say it how it is because – you know, we can see it for ourselves that it's most likely that City will probably win it. Well, we're Man United fans and <laughs> we pride ourselves on being realists on this podcast. So we obviously, <laughs> um, you know, we're planning our title winning party a couple of weeks ago. We all had it all set up. We'd planned the, mm-hmm. the episode for May. We, um, we were very excited. I think Woody even went as deep as to find some statistical stat that um <laughs> yeah good that that, <laughs> that there was a 90% chance that man united would win the league if they were top of the league after 17 games and it sort of kicked off on our social media and since then i think we've won one like one game mm. uh drawn <laughs> drawn three and lost one so did look, you actually the, think the list the listeners of the podcast, they give it to us as well to be honest with you <laughs> <laughs> but we're not happy when they saw that I was just going to ask, did you actually think at that point that United were going to be able to win it or just hoping? Uh, Can I answer first? Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. I was was convinced we were better than Liverpool. Like in that particular time, Mm -hmm. I was convinced we were better than Liverpool. I also didn't think we were good enough to win the league, but I also thought City were ordinary. So I felt like we were just like, I thought everyone was bad, to be honest. I thought there was not a single team in form. And I guess I was sort of right, except City City had those games in hand, which yeah. conveniently we all liked to ignore because it was more fun that way. Uh, but then once they started catch, playing the catch-up games and now they're obviously clear with a game in hand, I think, you know, for me, it was the game against Liverpool, Tottenham, and I have Arsenal this week. I was just convinced that they'd win two maximum and now I now I've got two uh, Man City defenders in my fantasy Premier League team because they're not going to concede against Arsenal yeah. like that's sort of the situation yeah. now so if it I was think, like their um, form yeah if it was like their form just came out of nowhere because you know at the beginning of the season mm. everyone was criticizing Pep and and how things weren't working and you know Guerra getting injured and then De Bruyne you're like well, they don't really stand a chance and now they just look unstoppable mm. yep Yep. Woody, do you want to answer the question? Did you think we could win the league? <laughs> um, yeah, uh, look, I don't think we ever, knowing us, I think in the last six years, I think we've come to the fact that um, it's pretty, it's it's a long shot to expect the league um, in that respect. So I think that we never, we always were hopeful, but I don't think it was more of a just try and trigger a few listeners. Enjoy the ride. Enjoy, Enjoy the, the ride. ride. Yeah, exactly. Always do the wheel. Why not? So, Um, but yeah i do agree with you i think damo what you said um was hit the nail on the head and same with you michelle was that the games that were like were the catch-up games is what caught people off guard because then you see city playing three less games but then you know seven points off the top you think oh well they're actually you know whatever they're six points behind but then you realize they're actually on par if not better than the teams that are on top so um even now you look at Everton. you know they've got two games to play and if they win both they'll go is it with Villa as well? I think. Yeah, and if, I think Villa win, they go fifth, and if Everton win, they go fourth. So, you know, it's one of those things with with every, the way the season's gone and the delays that have been. I don't know. It's just a bit hard to tell who's going to hit form when. That's yeah. that's that's probably what I can take from it. Yeah, it's all looking very unpredictable. 
just on the hectic fixture, how's it been for Optus Sport dealing with 7 a.m. games pretty much every day, which is awesome, to be honest. I love waking up to it, especially Woody and I. We don't have any jobs to go to, so it's always good fun to wake up at 7 a.m. and watch oh soccer. But, yeah, how, how's short. it? Um... You make it look so <laughs> Yeah, how's it been at the Optus Sport headquarters in that regard? Uh, for us, at 7 a.m. is like a sleep in, so it's actually been awesome having, you know, so many games at that time. Uh, yeah, a lot of work, but, you know, we're all willing to put in the 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 time and effort to dedicating um you know our, our best quality um yeah but it's 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 been it's been busy but it's been enjoyable and it's it's nice to have live football every single day mm. couldn't agree more i have to ask the reason why we call this show the premier league nightclub is because damon and i we watch the games at 3 30 4 30 5 30 and we might we might sleep we might not sleep from two thirty to you know nine thirty depending on whatever the roster of games are on. So I have to ask, what's it like for you as a team and, and you in particular watching games? Do you do you you know do it at the crack of dawn or do you guys watch the mini matches later on? Is it sort of dependent on the fixture or the importance of a game? How does it all sort of work when you guys have to watch games and then report on that as well? Yeah, so we have a team that works uh, overnight on on the weekends. So they're the ones that are uh, cutting up all the mini matches and the highlights and the mega minis and and all that. Um, So, yeah, there's a dedicated team for that. And for myself, I start work at 6 a.m. each day and I work from Sunday through to Thursday. Uh, So, yeah, so it's a a matter of... uh, being, well, actually, with my with my schedule, I'm able to watch a lot of the games at work, which is awesome. And then, say on a Sunday morning, because I work so early, I I don't get to watch too many of the games that are overnight. So I'll just catch up on the highlights from there. And and if when I have time, I do watch the mini matches. But because I'm working at to get through everything, I, I watch the highlights. But yeah, during the week, I get to. I get to be there for for the games and yeah and that's yeah that's pretty awesome i honestly thought at the start of that answer you were about to say we have a team that uh dedicated like to watch the games and i was about <laughs> to say oh my goodness my dream job's just changed but yeah no either way if you ever need well, someone to, to say yeah to stay up and watch watch games woody and i woody and i are always available So we hit it up on Instagram and Twitter. So let's get stuck into some social media source. Woody, you take it away. Still the worst worst name that we've got on the podcast, but hundred um, percent. So we pick the the best five questions that we get each week, Michelle, uh, to ask you. We try and cut out most of the jargon. So um, we pick the best five, and then the winner of the we'll ask you to pick a winner, which was the best question. They're going to get a voucher, a $30 voucher for our principal sponsor, which is Arrow Sports, of course, the best kit maker in the game. All right, first question from John underscore Turner 13. Michelle, do you have any aspirations to work in football media overseas? Um, at the moment, well, I should probably say, well, yes, I've always had aspirations to work overseas and more so when I was at uni, that was the dream to be able to go work in England and uh, be able to report on the Premier League or also in Spain. I speak fluent Spanish, so I always thought that uh, that would be awesome to be able to, you know, work for Real Madrid or Barcelona and be able to work in English and Spanish. Uh, at the moment, I, I don't know if... if you know that's when that's going to be possible. So it's I'm I'm happy being here in Sydney and and the, in the job that I have and see, still be able to you know report on on um, the elite competitions, whether it be Champions League, uh, the Premier League, Europa League, and all that. So I'm content where I am at the moment. Cool. Uh, next one at Dan Tree official. Uh, what's your favourite football moment of all time? It's a bit of a, bit of a crazy one. <laughs> um, I would have to say that it would be the 2005 uh, World Cup qualifier to go to the 2006 World Cup. Um, that night was just amazing. And that's, that's mm-hmm. probably at the point 
the, where I can pinpoint the exact moment where I just became a football fan because, you know, I'd been around football before, but I was such a girly girl that I didn't really pay as much attention, but the emotion and the excitement around that night and what it meant was just, it was just so, so epic. And, and as I said earlier, my brother, older brother has had such an influence on me and, and he was just so excited. He almost fainted that night. I remember. (laughs) Um, So yeah. And from there, from the 2006 World Cup, it was, I was watching every single game and staying up for it. And that's where my love for football just never stopped. Mm. Unreal. I think there's so many Aussies in the same spot as you actually. Iconic, <laughs> iconic. Um, next question, at Lachlan.Greek, uh, are there any negatives in working with a sport you love? Do you lose any passion for it? Um, to be honest, I guess at times you do forget that it is the favorite, your favourite sport and you sometimes don't get to enjoy a game as much as when you're a fan because, you know, when you're at home on the couch, you just you can experience every single moment. But when you're working and, say, there's a few games on and you're actually working, you need to be cutting up a, a match pack or something, you don't get to have the same sort of emotions and, and give the same sort of attention like you would as a fan. So that would probably be the the only negative and the way that you would lose passion. But other than that, you know, I'm, then I just like, you know, look back and think, well, I'm getting paid to watch games. So <laughs> it's, yeah. it's not that bad. <laughs> uh, next one at Aaron meds 32, who's the class clown at Optus sport? Ooh, that's a hard one because everyone is. Sometimes that <laughs> office can get wild with like the amount of jokes flying around. Uh, it's it's always a fun time. Trying to think, uh, maybe Bridgie. He's always Bridgie. up for a laugh, and yeah, and he's awesome. And it's quite funny because when we do. So I do one box previews with him every Monday. And so that's for, that goes out on, on YouTube and on the app and, um, and social media. And it's quite funny because every single Monday, there will always be a technical issue, <laughs> whether it be like <laughs> running out of batteries on his mic or it will be us. There will always be something funny that would, will happen. So, yeah, I'll probably just have to say Bridget. <laughs> Bridgie comes across as a bit of a dad, a bit of a dad. <laughs> yeah. He's such a nice guy though. He's so lovely. Yeah, of course. Um, all right. Next question. And the last one at Musa76.m. Do you ever have any passion to play the game? Yeah. So as I said earlier, I did play, but, you know, being a female as well, more so when I was growing up, there the Matildas didn't, have the same sort of exposure as they do now so when you're playing it's not the same as you know a a young boy playing looking at his looking up at his idols and seeing that they're massive global names and and playing in front of huge crowds and and all that so uh and you don't you naturally don't have aspirations to want to go professional and and like I said it was never good enough anyway so it wasn't like it was going to happen (laughs) All righty. So we've got, we got our five questions. Michelle, we'll ask you to kindly pick the best question. Which one was your favourite to answer? I think it was the, which one was my favourite football moment? Done. All oh, right. So at Dantree Official, uh, you've scored he's, uh, he's got 30 it. bucks. He's got it. Very regular <laughs> contributor to the podcast. So I'm oh, pretty really? sure he'll be over the moon annoying. that he's got. On. <laughs> Seriously, borderline annoying. Maybe we'll listen to this and we have a laugh, but far out. Well, he asked a good question. <laughs> yeah, exactly. About um, time. Yep. All right. So next up, well, finally to the quirky questions. Uh, there's only a few of them, we promise, and then we'll <laughs> finally be done. Uh, first up, name your current Premier League five-a-side team. There has to be a goalkeeper, but other than that, you can have four of whatever. Okay. Um, let me think. I'll have Allison as a goalkeeper. No which way. Could be so so current form is being taken out of the equation here. Yeah, but <laughs> talent wise, like you've got to 
you, you can't argue with that. Let's just pretend the last couple of weeks haven't happened. So you better Alistair, have carriers than. than exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, let me think. I'd also have. Can I include players that are injured? Yes. Okay, Virgil Van Dyke. Have him All in. Right. So I've got another three, right? Yeah. Oh, another four. Oh, yeah. Um, no, another three. Sorry, another three. Um, let me think. Aguero, yep. I just think he's an awesome player and, you know, he never fails to score. And another two. Can you throw out names so I can? <laughs> cool. Um, I mean. Hunming Sun, um, Jamie Vardy, Bruno Fernandes, De Bruyne. Um, Mm. Ryan Brewster. Um, I put Harry Kane as well. Harry Kane. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Nice. Because he's another one that, you know, can always um, step it up as long as it's not August. But I think he's been able to get rid of that stat. (laughs) Yeah. And I think of another one. Now, check in Jordan Henderson. Henderson? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Bit of versatility. he's trusty. Yeah. Nice. Bit of leadership as well. Bit of leadership. Yeah. Maybe Harry Kane can be the captain and then get the message across through Jordan Henderson so everybody can understand. That would be a good way to do it. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. Translate it. Okay, Damo, do you want to give us an impression? No, you know I don't do one request. Go on, Woody. Go, give us the next one. <laughs> All right, next question. Uh, if you could have dinner with one current Premier League player, who would it be? Why and where would you take him? Uh, I would have dinner with Mo Salah because I just want to pick his brain around how he has so much confidence to be able to score. And, you know, when he was playing at Chelsea, they, they, they weren't his best days. So I just want to ask him, how do you come back from that and then just become like a goal-scoring machine? And where we would go to an Italian restaurant just because I love Italian food. Sure. Easy. Um, <laughs> I like that. Um, if Optus Sport asked you to host uh, a show on a Friday night primetime, and you had to pick two co-hosts, who would they be and what would the show be about? Um, my two co-hosts would be John Aloisi. Mm-hmm. Oh, he would be one of them uh, because he just analyses the game so well and, you know, he's captivating with what he says. It's quite interesting. And the other, uh, the other guest would be probably Bridgie because he's always just good to have a laugh with. So nice. I'd have them too. And um, we would have uh, an analysis show, but with a quirky side to it, some fun games and, and, and that sort of thing. Nice. Um. All right, what's the second last? What's the most embarrassing moment you've ever had in your career? Most embarrassing. I'm trying to think. I think I've been fortunate enough that it hasn't been embarrassing. I think a lot of my embarrassing moments have come in my personal life (laughs) rather than (laughs) my career. Uh, which is good. Um, I don't know. I think to begin with, when I was first starting off, when, you know, you're a little bit self-conscious and you're not as confident, you you find just stuffing up in front of everyone, in front of a whole studio crew to be embarrassing. But then, you know, that's the only way that you learn. But, yeah, I can't think of an actual story um, at the moment. So, Uh, Final question, and this tends to stump people, uh, and if you don't want to answer, that's cool as well. Who's the most famous person you have in your phone contact list? Hmm. It'd be funny if I said Richard Bayless. (laughs) (laughs) Because that would be my answer. (laughs) Um, I'm going 
almost want to go through my phone and see. I don't think I actually have that many famous people, um, their numbers. So maybe, oh, actually Mark Schwarzer. I do have his number. So he would be the most famous. Yeah. Late. Um, Love that. Nice. So I've got him. And that's only because of WhatsApp group messages, not because of actually, I'm actually sending him messages. <laughs> yeah. I think we had um we had James Dodd from Fox on a couple of months ago and he had like Brendan Rogers' number. Um no, he had Arsene Wenger as well. Yeah, and that from interviews he'd done like 10 years oh, ago. So true. he wasn't sure if they were still like accessible. And um, he, he said calling them probably wasn't on the cards and we understood that. But yeah, <laughs> people have like people in their phone for the most obscure reason. So I can imagine yeah. being in the media, it'd be, you know, well, certainly actually, the case. I used to have um, Malcolm Fraser's number when he was still alive. Uh, wow. That was when I worked in radio and uh, I think it was like for some interview trying to get him and he'd he, never answered and now it's quite pointless because he's not alive anymore but <laughs> that i just remembered then but yeah so, uh, that pretty much ends ends the show um thank you so much michelle for coming on it's uh, as i said to you off air or in the messages to get you on i basically said that it's like awesome when we get to speak to people from optus sport and you know, maybe get a little bit more of a human side to what you do because all we see is a presentation 90% of the time. So it's always nice to do these things um, with the people that drive the game in the country. Uh, I know Woody's a big fan of sort of sending the podcast off in the right way. So um, if he wants to go through that and then we'll finish up. Sure. All right. So Michelle, what we'd love to do is get our guests to do the sign off as well, just like you did the introduction. Um, You don't have to introduce yourself again it's probably a little bit embarrassing to do it twice um but um if you'd like to sign off any way you like um just sort of similar to what we did in the intro we just say you know um hi my name my name is michelle and you're listening to the premier league nightclub um there's no real outro so whatever you want to do you can say it in spanish you can say it however you like um so what we'll do is we're going to go through the socials um and then i will give you a point and that's when you can let it rip okay okay all right, I think that wraps this one up, Woody. If they want to hit us up on the socials, where can they find us? Guys, you can find us on Instagram at Premier League Nightclub. And Damon, where can you find us on the Twitter? You can find us on the Twitter at PL Nightclub. You can also find us on TikTok at Premier League Nightclub. Not sure if you forgot to mention that, Woodra. Yeah. Uh, we're also now on YouTube if you're watching this. So please subscribe and like. Forgot to actually say that last, last video because I'm not used to it yet. So please hit that sub button. It helps us out a lot. Michelle, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks so much, guys, and thanks for listening to the Premier League Nightclub podcast. Adios. Yeah.